0: from Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between here's your host Hiki
1: Hi guys I wanted to hop on here quickly and explain a new series of podcasts I'm doing I'm calling it influencer moms I know I know I know I know influencer moms is such a buzzword these days I get it but I'm taking a spin on it. So I want to highlight moms who are impacting lives. And they're everyday people like you and me. So they don't have hundreds and thousands of followers on Instagram. They don't have this ginormous Facebook page. Um, Those people are a lot of fun too. But for me, it, it doesn't really seem that personal. So I feel like they're very... I don't know, they're far away, they're talking to these huge masses, but I come across every day um, real life moms that I have such an easy time connecting with um, and they are influencers to so many people and I wanted to share their stories with you. One of the things I'm most excited to share is information about diabetes and pregnancy. There is such limited information about this, and Audra is so much fun to watch on social media and is expecting a sweet baby girl in March. Tuning in from Chelsea, Alabama, please welcome Audra Smith. Hello! Hi, Hi. everyone! I'm so, so excited to have you on today and have you share all of your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners. So I guess to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about your family and your journey of getting pregnant and being pregnant and kind of where you are now? Yeah, of course. Um, I am married to
0: my husband, Brian. We'll be celebrating five years of marriage this fall, um, which is crazy. <laughs> it's like half a decade. Um <laughs> And we have a sweet puppy named Hamilton, and we have our little girl, Nora Jo, on the way in, like, within the next probably five weeks. So our little family is growing quickly.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. That's so sweet. Hamilton is so much fun to watch. Oh, my goodness. Hamilton is a um, a black lab, and oh, my goodness. He's so sweet. I love to watch him lounge. I feel like he
0: is like nesting with me, like anytime a new baby appliance gets put out in the house somewhere, he's always like checking it out and just kind of he'll go in her nursery and just kind of sit and it's really cute. I'm like, I feel like he's in tune to all of this and getting excited. So it's really sweet to watch him kind of
1: be a part of it all. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Are you guys doing anything to prepare him? He does already seem like he is in love with her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he is. Um, Not too much right now, but um, we've heard it's really helpful once the baby is born to have a family member or someone send home um, like a blanket or something that she's been wrapped in for like the first 24 hours um, before we bring her home. So like he can get used to her scent and stuff um, So we'll probably have my mom or sister um, Do that so hopefully by the time they actually meet he's like, oh, yeah, I've smelled you before you're, you're cool. good, I'm good
1: with you. yeah. yeah, that's a really neat idea. That's so neat <laughs> I always love to hear what people do with their pets to uh, to help welcome welcome their baby so you live, um, you live with type 1 diabetes, and I was hoping that you could explain a little bit about the differences between living with type 1 diabetes kind of before you get pregnant and having a pregnancy with that versus gestational diabetes that happens only while you're pregnant.
0: Yeah, of course. So a lot of people know type 1 diabetes as like juvenile diabetes because it's diagnosed a lot in childhood, like under the age of 10. Um, But what we didn't know is that there's also another window um, where you can be diagnosed in young adulthood from like age 19 to 21. Um, And so in my family, um, T1 skips a generation. So my granddad have it, or my granddaddy had it. um, And me and my cousin have it, but no one um, in my parents' generation in the family has it. Um, So it's kind of Interesting to see that pattern. Um, but my siblings and I, we were all born with the genetic predisposition for it. Um, but it never, like, that predisposition never came about in our childhood, even though our parents were like always looking for symptoms just in case. Um, but then when I went to college, I got really sick with just like a virus, just kind of, you know, getting used to all the new different germs in a dorm room and stuff. Um, and that's when we think it, kind of kicked off for me um, because the next year I was just sick with weird thing after weird thing and then I was officially diagnosed when I was 19. Um, So yeah, we learned, (laughs) we learned about that extra little window of diagnosis, kind of the hard way. Um, So basically what type one is, is it's an autoimmune disease where, um, You kind of you lose all your beta cells, and your beta cells help your body to make insulin. Um, So I have no insulin in my body, and I have no ability to make my own insulin. With type two and with gestational, um, you still have insulin in your body, and you still have the ability to make it. It's just kind of stunted, so you have to use like diet and exercise, or oral medication, or sometimes insulin to help kind of wake your body up again to like stimulate it so that it'll it'll produce, um, insulin in your body. But my body, it's like, there's no way to ever kind of stimulate it. It just doesn't do it. I just don't have the cells to be able to do it. Um, so what that looks like pre-pregnancy, um, I wear an insulin pump. Um, so I get all of my insulin injections through my pump. Um, and it, the pump that I have now is like the newest version. So um, it's like super state of the art where um, it can talk to my sensor, which I don't, I don't have the right sensor to work with this pump yet for it to kind of just automatically do it all. Um, But I'm on the waiting list for it and I should get it soon. So ideally what this, this pump that I have will end up doing is, um, It'll measure my blood sugar on the sensor, and the sensor will send that to the pump, and then the pump will give me a dosage based on what my blood sugar is doing. Um, Right now I have a different sensor until I have the newest sensor. Um, So my current sensor is called a Dexcom, and it sends my blood sugar to my phone every five minutes, Um, and then I just pull out my pump and manually input the information. Um, but within the next few weeks, hopefully, it'll be just doing it all on its own. So, technology has come such a long way, and I'm super blessed to have access to like the most updated forms of it. Um, sometimes I have the option to go back and do um, MDIs, which is multiple daily injections. Sometimes, if I'm like going to be going somewhere or doing something where it's not a good idea to be hooked up to my pump, I'll switch back to shots. But typically I just wear my pump. I change it. Well, pre-pregnancy, I change it every three days. (laughs) During pregnancy, you're a lot more insulin resistant um, because of all the crazy hormones. And I went from changing my pump site every three days pre-pregnancy to changing it every day or every other day while I've been pregnant. (laughs) My insulin needs have literally like quadrupled. Um, So that's been really interesting. But whatever keeps her safe. So.
1: Yeah, I hope that's a good explanation. (laughs) Wow, yeah, all that was really incredible. Um, You mentioned that technology has come a long way, and that is just so incredibly true. And your story just highlights how, um, you know, modern technology and modern medicine is awesome. In the birth world, sometimes modern medicine, um, you know, modern technology kind of get a bad rep, but it's not so bad it's not so much that they're bad rather than they're used too much or inappropriately. But here's a case where technology, you know, we have our hands on it. We have the resources is helping people. It's being used in the right way. It's being used in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's saving lives. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's really, that is really, really awesome. And then just the fact that um, you know how it's affecting your, your pregnancy that you're, insulin needs have quadrupled, like not just up a little bit, you know, she's just a tiny human. I would have expected just a tiny jump in insulin, right? right? You laugh, but that's logical. That makes sense. And for it to like have quadrupled, that is really wild. Um, Yes, it is. I've been like
0: upset with myself lately with like my weight gain, which I feel like is normal for any pregnant woman, but you know, like I'm still staying active and eating well. And I'm like, why do I feel like I'm just ballooning? And my doctors were actually like kind of chuckling in there. Like insulin is a growth hormone and you literally are taking in like four or five times what you usually do. They're like, you're basically all fluid. We'd rather you be growing at this rate and taking the insulin you need to keep her safe than for it to be the other way around they're like you're gonna literally walk out of the hospital probably 45 pounds lighter honestly from just like losing all that fluid and then like right after birth um I'm supposed like seriously it goes right back to normal pretty much so like I'll go into the hospital needing five times the amount of insulin and I'll leave the hospital just maybe not even needing my pump connected to me at all apparently lots of postpartum t1 moms have um lots of crazy lows right after. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. Like your insulin needs go right back to normal pretty much instantly. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I hate taking all this insulin for my own selfish reasons, but at least it's keeping her healthy and,
1: and it'll go away fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's giving her exactly what her needs. That, that is phenomenal. The human body is Wow. Just mind blowing to me, especially the female body. I, um, my goodness, I get lost in it. I really, really do. Our bodies are incredible. Um, and yeah, as far as the weight that you're putting on, I think, you know, if your doctors are saying you're in a healthy place, you have no reason not to trust that in body shamers. Don't get me started on body shamers. Don't even, (laughs) let's not even go there in this episode because it deserves its own episode. True. So (laughs) you You and and Brian faced some struggles trying to get get pregnant. Do you think that having diabetes, um, your T1 affected that in any way? I definitely think
0: so. Um, So I didn't know this like before we started really trying, but apparently there's a link between, um, type one diabetes and PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and it has to deal with like a lot, like a lot of women develop PCOS because they have, um, issues with processing the insulin in their bodies. Like they're a little more insulin resistant, Um, and PCOS can develop as a result of being more insulin resistant. Well, I have no insulin in my body. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's how that happened. I, it's funny though, because really the only connection I have with PCOS is the insulin side of things because I've never really had cysts. Um, they found a small fibroid. Let's see. That was probably like last spring. Um, But like a lot of my friends with PCOS, they just have like so many cysts on their ovaries and in their uterus and stuff. And I'm like, I really only have one little one. (laughs) It's mainly just like the insulin connection between the two. But um, I definitely think that T1 played a role in in our difficulty for sure Um, because the PCOS made it so that I either didn't ovulate or we just couldn't pinpoint when I was ovulating. so, yeah, I definitely think that it, it was a contributing factor.
1: And do you feel like you did anything um, that absolutely you can say helped um, you get pregnant? Honestly, that month th- the month that I got
0: pregnant was kind of like a throwaway cycle for me because I was just so focused on the next cycle and getting ready for that. Um, so <laughs> i do, I can't really think of anything that I did differently the the time that I actually did conceive Um, other than I had gotten an HSG procedure done the month before um, where they like put you under an x-ray machine um, and then they send dye through through your uterus and your fallopian tubes to see if you have any blockages in your fallopian tubes because if the egg has nowhere to go, it's never going to meet the sperm. And so there's no point to be like taking all these fertility drugs. if like, they're never going to meet. So my gynecologist really wanted me to get that done. Um, And so I had that done in June and then I got pregnant in July. And ever since I like found out I was pregnant, I was like, could that have been it? And I've talked a lot with my medical team and they're like, actually, we have a lot of women that come in here who – couldn't get pregnant and then got an HSG and they got pregnant after that because it just kind of moved things around just so and, and kind of made it kind of – well, one of my doctors said cleared the cobwebs. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it
1: was like a jump <laughs> start.
0: <laughs> but um, that's really the only thing I can think of that was different um, leading up to it. So, yeah.
1: Cool. Cool. And so you mentioned that it was a throwaway month for you. Do you think that your mindset was a little different going into it? So you kind of had already chalked that one up to a loss. So you weren't worried about getting pregnant. Is that right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we still, I still was like tracking ovulation every day, every day, just because I never knew when I ovulated and we never knew even if I did for sure on my own. So I took um, ovulation predictor kit tests every day, just so that I could see if there was any kind of pattern. Um, Because the years leading up to 2017, I never got a positive ovulation strip. Um, I would get like almost positives, but never really got a full positive. And um, ever since my HSG in June, I was like, well, I'm just still going to track for ovulation just to see, like, basically just, like, data collection to, like, give to my guy gyno, um, and on, I think it was July, like, 9th or 10th, I had, like, a blazing positive um, ovulation strip, and I was like, that is the first time I've ever had a really positive strip, so, you know, we did our thing, and, but, you know, it was mainly just for fun, just, you know, keeping our marriage, like, Fun, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't think anything of it, honestly. Neither did he. We were just, you know, trying to enjoy it for once and not make it such a like menial task. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then about eleven days later, I got my first positive pregnancy test. Um So yeah, I, I definitely because our next step after the HSG. Was literally just waiting for me to start my period because when I started my period, I would start taking the Femera, which is like a fertility drug similar to Colmid, which a lot of people take. Um, But apparently, Femera is better for people with T1, which I never knew. (laughs) Um, So we were literally just waiting for my cycle to start so we could take the Femera and really get the show on the road. So I was getting frustrated. I'm like, why have I not started? (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? And we went on vacation, which I think just being away from everything and like just relaxing helped so much just with my head space too. Um, just to kind of get me feeling refreshed. Um, and we were driving back from vacation on Saturday and I was like, you know what? I'm so frustrated about this. I'm just going to call on Monday morning and see if my gyno will call me in some Provera to like jumpstart my cycle. And Brian's like, good idea you should probably take a pregnancy test this weekend just to see the negative and know for sure that you're not pregnant. And then, yeah, we'll get the show on the road. I was like, you're a smart man. That is a good idea. And I should have thought of that myself. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we got home, he was unloading the car and I just used a cheapo HCG like pregnant pregnancy test stick, little strip thing. Um, because I was like, it's always negative. I'm not going to waste the money on an actual pregnancy test just to see another negative. Um, and it was positive. And then, yeah, that Monday I went for the beta, and and now here we are. <laughs> so it's crazy, kind of how it all. I was just so focused on, okay, let's get the next cycle going. But God was like, um, I don't think you want that actually, because I have something better going on right
1: now. Yeah. So it's really neat for me to see um, how different mindsets affect, you know, fertility and being able to to get pregnant. And I mean, my goodness, one of my very deep core beliefs is to take care of yourself. Um, I think that you're only as good as your, you know, most well-rested person on your team. And so I'm, I, I love to hear stories where you take a vacation and you relax and, you know, so you've, you had already chalked that one up to being a lost month and that's fine. And that was the month that actually, it worked because you kind of took the pressure off of it. I think, um, Those stories are always really inspirational. They bring a huge smile to my face every time.
0: I just said it is so funny. And that vacation was kind of, I was a little bit dreading it. Honestly, it was with Brian's side of the family who I love. That's not why I was dreading it. But his, um, well, our sister-in-law was like 35 weeks and they got pregnant like totally on accident. And I was just like, I wasn't finding myself jealous, but I was just finding myself impossible to escape baby talk. But that helped me kind of be like, okay, if I need to like walk away for a minute and go do something else, that's okay. Like it, it kind of made me kind of put myself first for once as far as like making sure that I was keeping a positive attitude. And if I wasn't, that it's okay to give myself a couple minutes or however long I need to kind of recharge and then go right back to it. And it that's okay to do. Like I would always before just kind of force myself to sit there and listen and talk. And meanwhile, I'm like feeling like I'm going to just start crying. Um, but that week I really kind of worked a lot on kind of, you know, it's okay to not feel okay. And how am I going to handle that? Um, you know, cause obviously I was excited to talk about baby stuff. That's my nephew. Like I so wanted to talk about it, but it was also like, you know, a reminder of what I didn't have. And so sometimes I just needed to be intentional about like practicing self-care. Um, and I think that the lessons I learned that week doing that have helped me a lot in pregnancy too. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful for that, even though at the time it felt really hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is always hard to watch someone um, have something that you so desperately want. And I think one time you have described it as um, the mom's club. Like it was a club that you really, really wanted to be a part of. Um, yeah. That's a pretty good description. I think I think actually a lot of people can really relate to that description, um, probably of, of parenthood in general. Yeah, it felt like
0: like, because I was the only non-mom there, so it was like, you know, they're part of this exclusive club that kind of gets yeah. It's the hardest thing ever, and then I'm over here like, okay, where do I fit in, you know? Um, so that's something that I've really tried hard throughout my pregnancy. Like, I want to celebrate my baby in my pregnancy and, and tell her story, um, but I also want to remember to be mindful of my friends that are still going through infertility and just be respectful of them. And I don't ever want to make people feel isolated because they're not currently pregnant or a mom yet, you know? Um, so that's been something
1: that I've really tried to work on and hold on to the whole time. I think that's really awesome. It's, um, it's super nice to, to, you know, be surrounded by really inclusive people who understand that there are different walks and also maybe haven't walked always the easiest path themselves. And so it's uh, it's really nice to have that compassion. So, and something I know about you and I absolutely love about following you is that you are the queen of positive sayings and motivational posts. um, (laughs) And you just really keep it real. You giggle, but it's true. So you're always so positive. Even when things are like really crummy or down in the dumps, you always find something positive to say. um, And that really draws me in. It really makes me, you know, love to follow you and love to see what you post. You've had some pretty big medical scares. So You know, is is staying super super positive something that you do to help um, ground you and kind of, kind of keep you you sane? Because honestly, it's sometimes so scary to follow you on social media. Can you tell us a little bit about like what's happening in those times that you needed to be in the hospital? Yeah, for sure. Um, So first of all, definitely staying
0: positive. Like that's how I get through it. If I was like keeping myself in a really negative headspace, I think that would be a lot harder to get through hard stuff like that. Um, especially because I really value my body and I really value taking good care of my body. So when things kind of go out of whack outside of my control, um, that's really hard on me. But I always just kind of have to keep myself. And I'm, I'm not always like great at staying positive. That's why I'm so glad I have such a strong support system to remind me um, kind of of who I am. Um, and so, yeah, I think staying positive definitely helps me get through things, um, especially the big crazy health stuff that really can affect me mentally too. Um, so 2016 mostly was just a crazy rough year for me, for my health, for our marriage, for infertility stuff. It was just like honestly, like the worst year of my life. Um, Thankfully, last year was so much better. And so far this year has been a lot better, even though pregnancy kind of throws things off. But um, so actually it was two years ago this week, like two years ago from like February 3rd. So like, yeah, this week. um, I went into DKA, which stands for diabetic ketoacidosis. Um, and that's basically like a type one diabetic coma. Um, and it all started, well, I, we, we were under a lot of stress at the time. We had like just moved and we were both under a lot of work stress and financial stress. And then our marriage started having issues. And so my body was already just kind of in this like anxiety mode all the time. Um, and then it kind of all started the morning of February 3rd with a bad pump site so um i insert the pump site into my skin and the needle that helps um, insert it the needle doesn't stay under my skin but it helps guide a cannula in and that cannula stays under my skin Um, well what happened i had changed my site the night before so like february 2nd right before i went to bed and without knowing, um, when the cannula was inserted, it was bent, and there's no way for me to know that unless I see issues with my blood sugar as a result of it. Um, So basically, while I was sleeping, I was not getting any insulin, and my blood sugar was climbing and climbing. I woke up that morning with readings in the 200s, which normal range is 80 to 120, And I typically, even during pregnancy, I have to work my butt off to do this, but I typically don't really go over 180, or if I do, um, it, like, bounces right back down, which for a non-T1, 180 is too high, but for a T1, staying under 180 is pretty decent. Um, And so I woke up that morning, and I was already in the 200s. I was doing everything all day to kind of combat that by the end of the workday, I was like in the 400s and rising. And at that point I noticed it was harder for me to breathe and my vision was getting blurry. Um, so I just like left work a little early and like sped to the hospital. I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and check myself in, and like, just be smart about it. Cause I've tried everything all day and it's not coming down. Oh, and also, um, I was checking ketones in urine there's like ketone strips that you can get for like eight bucks at the pharmacy Um, and you're not supposed to have ketones in your urine Um, if you have that that means that your blood is becoming acidic Um, and that's kind of what starts DKA and um, usually I would just have like a trace like barely any in there which that's pretty typical but that day the strip was like extremely dark and it said like large like it was like the the highest it could be. And I was like, okay, so this is happening. Um, so I went to the hospital and basically all you have to do to be immediately triaged in the ER is say, I'm a type one diabetic and I think I'm going into DKA. And then they like immediately like send you back. Um, I didn't have to wait at all. Um, and at that point they had to hook me up to oxygen because I really wasn't able to breathe. I had just walked from like, the car to the front door and I was breathing as if like, I had just ran a half marathon. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was crazy. And so Brian met me there. I basically stayed 24 hours um, and they just pumped insulin and a bunch of other stuff to kind of help my body receive it um, through me and kept me hooked up to oxygen so that I was breathing. (laughs) Um, And so I finally was stable and they sent me home which they were like you're um you're it's a good thing you came in cuz your your blood um acidity level was the same as like a 9 volt battery. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad I came in." Oh my goodness. <laughs> um and then it happened again over the weekend, so I was in the hospital again that weekend. Um but after those scares in February, everything kind of leveled out a little bit until March where I went into anaphylactic shock at work for no reason. Like we still don't know why that happened, which I will be going to an allergist when I'm done being pregnant. (laughs) Um, We don't, it wasn't like a drug out. Like I hadn't tried, I, I wasn't on any new medication or anything. It could have literally just been something blooming when we were outside I have no clue still, but so that was, it was just like a crazy year. Like I feel like it was one thing after the other. And then when I, my health finally started to stabilize, that's when Brian um, was getting ready to leave for the military and living alone as a type one diabetic is kind of scary because you hear all the time of young type ones just going to sleep and then never waking up because they end up having like a bad low blood sugar in their sleep um, and they don't wake up to treat it. Um, So that was kind of a freaky time when he was gone, just living alone. But that's why I'm glad I have um, the technology I have because my Dexcom sensor has an app um, where I can have five um, of my family members access it and they can see my blood sugar at any given time. So while he was gone, there were lots of times that I would wake up to like the Tuscaloosa EMS department banging on my door because my mom saw that I was low and not answering my phone so she called them and um so yeah 2016 was not so great for my health but last year it started to level out which is good because that's when I got pregnant
1: (laughs) I remember following all of that um on social media yeah my goodness you have a way of really scaring people uh to (laughs) the core your followers are like hanging on the edge of their seats like nail biters (laughs) right oh my god but you always, um, you always come out on top. You, um, my goodness, it really shows that you and Brian have such a strong relationship. So you're staying active and I can see that too on your social media. Cause like I say, you're always keeping it real and you, oh my okay. goodness, make me laugh so much. Can you tell us what you're, your day looks like each day where you're trying to find that perfect balance for your body and your baby, but also your mental health and, you know, just kind of stay insane while balancing your diabetes and, um, and your, your baby's needs. Yeah. So
0: every day kind of looks different because I've had to really listen to my body, especially in this third trimester. <laughs> it's not so easy to get out for a run anymore. Yep. Um, especially cause I have bad sciatic nerve pain and all this stuff. Um, but pre-pregnancy I was a half marathon runner. I had run four half marathons and I was getting ready to train for my first full. Um, and then I found out I was pregnant and they were like, let's not do that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They're like, you have, you have a lot of risk factors already we don't need you to be pushing yourself way too hard so if you want to keep running that's fine but just no more than like three miles at a time max um so first trimester i was still like staying pretty regular with my runs and then second trimester well towards the end of the first trimester when i really didn't have too much energy i i really found that my energy was low closer towards the end of it for some reason um so Then I just kind of started dialing it back a little bit and trying to come up with a more manageable schedule. I try to do at least two runs a week. And then Brian and I try to do at least like three to four like family walks a week so that I'm at least staying active. Um, Some weeks I don't get any runs in just because my body is just feeling everything too much. Or like we just went through a move from Tuscaloosa to Chelsea. Um, throughout the month of January and that was really hard on my body and really hard on my back and like we finally got out of that other house a week ago and I'm still feeling like I'm recovering from that (laughs) because it was basically just the two of us and then my mom helped a little bit but um so yeah I've had to really listen to my body but I try to at least get out there and have like at least four active days a week whether that's doing yoga or doing my pregnancy approved strength training workouts I do at home or going for a run or even just like going for a brisk walk with Brian and Hamilton. Um, I just try to at least make sure that I'm moving and not just becoming a couch potato. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I really have to be in tune to how my body's feeling because I don't want to overexert myself and I can tell, um, when I am doing too much, cause I'll get like Braxton Hicks contractions. And my body's trying to be like, okay, chill out. <laughs> um, and my medical teams like, you know, that's great. You're staying active. We're happy that you're doing that, but you know, just make sure that you're being smart and really staying in tune to your body. And it's okay to have days where you're resting, you know, you're growing a human and also managing a chronic disease. That's extremely unpredictable. So, um, if you need to have rest days, that's perfectly fine. Um, so I, I start each week with the intention of at least four active days. Some weeks that happens and some weeks I'm active every day and other weeks it's like, well, I tried, I had good intentions. It didn't really come to fruition, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think learning to, um, turning, learning to kind of play into those, those highs and lows of pregnancies, those um, you know, really taking advantage of the times that you have a lot of energy, but then really learning to relax and trust your body and disconnect for the times um, that you don't have a lot of energy and allow your body that space to, to kind of dictate, to let you know what it needs and your baby as well. So your baby's talking to you, you know, your baby's talking to your body and your body is letting you know we need to take some time to just kind of chill. I think recognizing that is not only is that really hard, but it's important to recognize it and then, you know, acknowledge it, do something about it. Um, yeah. that's hard. That's really hard. I've been
0: nesting hardcore lately, just like running all over, you know, cause we have boxes everywhere cause we just moved. So I'm like trying to unpack and get her room done, which it basically is, but you know, I'm just picking at everything now. And the other day Brian was like, look at your feet. You need to sit down. I'm like,
1: okay.
0: He holds me accountable too, which is great. He's like, dear, you look like you have elephantitis. Your feet are huge. You need to sit down.
1: I'm like,
0: okay. (laughs) It's nice
1: to have an accountability partner in your own partner. That's awesome like, you've done enough today. Just sit and watch Fixer
0: Upper. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: but that nesting period can be so, <laughs> so much fun. It's, it can really bring out your creative side, huh? Exactly.
0: I'm like, man, I've never gotten so much done in one day.
1: <laughs> oh, because you're enjoying it. That's, um, that's so, so much fun. So what would be, um... What would be your biggest piece of advice for expectant parents who were walking a similar path as you if you were to give them one piece of advice? I would say
0: to take everybody else's advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's like you announce you're pregnant and immediately everyone wants to tell you everything that's good or everything that's bad, or they know someone who went through this and it was terrible- it's like you know, I just, I try to remember everyone has really good intentions. Um, but just take everything with a grain of salt because I'd have people tell me terrible stories and then I'd go home and Google all this stuff and just put myself in a frenzy. And Brian's like, Audra, that's their story. That's not ours, you know? And, um, so just love it. That's so sweet. (laughs) And also just like, be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself and be gentle with each other because it's a stressful time, you know, even though our baby is so loved and so wanted, I mean, we've pursued her for years. Um, it's still a crazy stressful time. And it's okay to admit that. And it's okay to complain sometimes, you know, sometimes I feel guilty about complaining about being uncomfortable because it's like, Ugh, I worked so hard to get here. But, you know, pregnancy is hard, and yeah. it impacts your life, is stressful, and that's okay. Whether you got accidentally pregnant or really worked, had to work really hard to get pregnant, um, you you have just as much right to complain as anybody else. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, just, I know Brian and I have lost, have, we've had lots of, like, mi- like, miscommunications just because, you know, I might snap at him a little bit because I don't have much patience anymore (laughs) or maybe you know there's been times that I like say something really kind of harsh just to get words out because I feel like I'm about to throw up and he's like you know I we, we both try to be really honest with each other about um like when you said that like this is how it came off and that really hurt me And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Like I wasn't trying to be mean. I just really felt like there was vomit actually about to come out of my mouth. (laughs) He's like, oh, that makes more sense. You know, just be kind with each other and gentle with each other and realize, you know, yeah, I'm going through a lot because I'm growing the person, but he's going through a lot too. And it's okay to be honest with each other about that kind of thing. So I guess I just gave way too much advice. (laughs) And I just want to listen to advice, but that's something that's been helpful for us is just kind of, like realizing that both of us are going through stress and it's okay to go through that stress. We just have to make sure that we remember we're a team and everything will get sorted out. It will, even when it feels very
1: overwhelming (laughs) because it can. It absolutely can be. Yeah, I think that one of the, oh my goodness, you're speaking right to my heart right now. So the one of the things that I always remind people that, you know, if you're in this with a partner, if you have someone going through this with you, um, be intentional, of course, that is, you know, one of my very core values, but remember that you're in a team, so be intentional, use one another to, you know, really find this perfect balance, because you can, you absolutely can, if you use one another um, as teammates, and do be respectful, and you're hitting on a huge point of communication of, really communicating your needs we are not mind readers it's something that I work oh my god hugely and so much with on uh, with the clients that I work with about we can't read your mind but if you can tell us what you're feeling we can help you you know figure out how to fix it or if you are if you are facing something that's challenging, let us know what that is, and maybe we have resources for you. Um, You know, it does no good to keep it on the inside. So that's really yeah. awesome to hear that that's how you and Brian um operate. It, it sounds like you guys have a beautiful relationship.
0: Oh, thanks. I definitely think pregnancy has been a process of refinement for us, like individually and together. And I, I'm like, I can definitely see how our communication has improved so much that, like, you know – I keep saying like, Oh, I wish I hired a doula for my pregnancy, but I'm like, I kind of feel like comfortable with Brian acting as my doula because I feel like our communication's so strong now that we kind of, he kind of can know what I need um, before I even know that I need it. Or at least we can communicate so freely and openly now um, as a result of kind of our refined communication throughout pregnancy. So um, I think it's been kind of preparing us for birth and then for parenting once all this human living in my body stuff is over.
1: (laughs) A whole new level parenting (laughs) that will take you guys into an entire new universe. I'm excited to see you guys enter that together. You are Oh my goodness! So much fun to talk to. So if people wanted to um, to follow in your hilarious stories and your your posts of motivation and realness and um, you know what it's like to be pregnant in two thousand eighteen and have that lady in the grocery store say something ugly to you, <laughs> yes. where would they find you? Yeah. So my
0: Insta. My Instagram handle. Is, <laughs> you guys sounded so millennial. <laughs> um, my Instagram handle is at Audra Shoop Smith. It's A U D R A S H O U P E, and then Smith, the common boring spelling. Um, I've been trying to post a lot more like Insta stories every day. Um, and I find when I do that, I get so many fun direct messages from other moms or people trying to be pregnant or just anybody who kind of just has been following my story. Um, and that's been a fun way. People always be like, you should start a vlog. I'm like, I don't need to, I have my Instagram stories. Um, so that's, I've been trying to put some pregnancy and baby updates on there as well as just my Instagram account in general, but yeah, I would say that that's probably um, a good place to start to connect with me. And I would love to connect with anybody who wants to get in touch with me. So we
1: got to, we got to stick together, all of us. (laughs) That is right. We are all in this fight together. Audra, it has been so, so lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, always, always. It's really inspirational to hear um, about your strength and how resilient you are. And if any listeners out there want to follow an expectant mama who keeps it real, sometimes scares you to death, but then blows you away with her strength, um, follow Audra on Instagram. I promise you will not be sorry. Uh, She keeps me giggling or saying, yup, throughout the days. As always, villagers, (laughs) find your tribe and love them hard. Until next time. Did you know you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is at Tranquility by HeHe. He. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at Tranquility at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.